أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله by Allah's father we reach this Mubarak seventh night of Ramadan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessings and barakah the Ashab al-Manzil uh, are making their khatam tonight uh, those who uh, read the seven day weird one of the things that uh, I miss and that we miss in many parts of America although not so much in Chicago but still uh, to some degree uh, here as well is that this was the month of ibadah people used to take joy in separating their time out uh, for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they used to enjoy reading the Quran khatam after khatam every time a different sweetness every time a different flavor a different sweet, sweetness in reading from the mushaf a different sweetness in reading from memory a different sweetness in hearing uh, somebody else read a different sweetness reading in the salat a different uh, uh, sweetness uh, uh, reading alone a different uh, sweetness in all of these different modes and uh, so mashallah there is Mulana uh, Hafiz Yusuf Ghawth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give him solace his father passed away uh, not even a month ago so he's reading one of the qira'at uh, in uh, uh, here in this city and his khatam is tonight I'll ask Allah ta'ala to accept from him that they're reading the manzil Interestingly enough, in uh, one of the Hawashi on, I believe, Shurum Bulali, uh, on uh, the Nurul Ibah in Hanafi Fiqh, it's actually explicitly mentioned that it's recommended to make uh, a khatam every 10 days in Taraweeh. Uh, so that one, there can be one khatam for the days of mercy and a khatam for the days of uh, forgiveness and a khatam for the days of manumission from the fire. From uh, for rahma and for maghfira and itqum min nar and this was uh, I'm told wara uh, nahr in the uh, trans uh, transaxonia the uh, um, the practice of the mashaykh uh, and I actually asked one of the uh, brothers who visited Uzbekistan I go are there places where they still do this he says yes there are and I asked him uh, you know as an American as a whiny American, my uh, uh, reflex was to ask, well, you know, what do they say to the people when they say, oh, it's too long, make it shorter? He says, they just tell people it's not far. And, uh, you know, the thing is, it's fine. If a person isn't able to read that much, I, I get it. You know, people have school, people are weak, people are sick, people are, you know, they have their reasons for doing different things. Um, and I think it's good actually that you know the masajid should have a taraweeh in which they just read short surahs so that the people who can't you know who can't do a lot don't need to do a lot but um, it would be nice also for those people who wish to keep this tradition uh, of basking bathing in the light of this Mubarak month that they should be able to read and they should be able to listen and uh, I'm told that the, the, the markas in Delhi and Nizamuddin, 
that they have that it's built vertically because it's a a, a um, urban setting and so there's in one floor the tarawih is the short surahs for those uh, jamaats that are coming and going and are on restricted time schedule uh, and then there is one main area where they do the regular one juz a night uh, one khatam in Ramadan and then there's a level in which they do the three uh, three ajza it's beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revived these beautiful customs in the ummah uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq of making juhd making mujahada and uh, striving in order to participate in them and uh, you know the thing is yeah of course it's going to take a long time and it's hard it's when you put your foot in the neck of your nafs and you squeeze and you stretch it to the limit and push it to the limit that's when it relents and when it relents all of the professional blocking that it does all of the obstacles that it puts up um, for the anwar that are meant to be uh, poured into the heart and flooded flooded into the heart of someone who is a son or a daughter of the prophet sayyidina adam alayhi salam and a son of the, or daughter of the prophet sayyidina nuh alayhi salam and the uh, murid whose murshid is none other than uh, muhammad ibn abdullah rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, whose muqaddams uh, administer the nur that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him with uh, uh, to you that the anwar that are meant to enter into the heart of someone like that they can only come when that that uh, nafs is is muzzled and tied down and that requires a little bit of effort and uh, it's something though that makes even regular or impious or irreligious people like myself uh, from time to time see something about life and about existence that's more than just shoving your face filled with food and running around satisfying the dictates of your private parts or your bratty uh, uh, disposition. Allah Ta'ala save us uh, from those things and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala give us the honor and nobility to live that angelic reality uh, for enough moments of our life that it causes us to be saved on the day of judgment and it gives us some dignity in this world and the hereafter. Ameen. So we continue. Uh, yesterday we finished reading the eighth facile from Hazrat Tanvi's Hayatul Muslim um, with regards to the importance of the Sunnah of the Prophet. And he mentioned then there another book that he wrote, Al Sunnatul Jaliyah Fil Chishtiyatul Aliyah, the lofty Sunnah in the practice of the noble Chishtis. And uh, Shaykh Tamim translated it and uh, appended it to his book, so we read. After sending praise of Allah and sending salutations upon the Messenger of Allah For the longest time, a misconceived, ignorant notion regarding the noble and honorable Sufis in general, and the Chishtis in particular, has become widespread. Namely, that they are not adherent to the sacred Sharia or are less adherent than others. There are two problems with this ignorant notion. The first affects those who are the followers of the Sufis, and the second affects those who are not their followers. 
As for the problem which results in their followers, it is that they genuinely believe that the Sufis are not adherent to the Sharia or that they are less adherent than others, and this creates a disregard and lack of reverence for the Sharia in the hearts of the followers. They begin to think that the Sharia is something unnecessary and irrelevant because, after all, if it were necessary, then those noble souls would have been adherent to it. As for the second problem and how it affects those who are not Sufis, uh, the Sufis' followers, uh, it is such since in their correct opinion the Sharia is ob obligatory to follow, and since in their eyes the Sufis do not adhere to it, they are blameworthy and unworthy of reverence. This results in their speaking ill of these illustrious souls with disdain, using derogatory words to describe them and displaying insolence toward them. The first harm leads the followers of these people to the borders of disbelief because they consider the sacred Sharia, adherence to which is known to be obligatory through unequivocally explicit texts to be unnecessary. As for the harm uh, to those people who are not their followers, even though it is not disbelief, it is definitely a reprehensible innovation and a blatant sin to harbor hate and insolence for the chosen servants of Allah. Uh, due to the severity of these sins, correcting these people and reforming this situation is crucial. The way that such ignorant notions can be rectified is through demonstrating how the Sufis are in fact not in opposition to the sacred Sharia. With that being said, it must be clarified that there is indeed another reason why people have incorrect notions regarding the Sufis, namely uh, that due to their being abundantly engrossed in the remembrance of Allah and meditating upon divine bounties, the brilliant effulgence from their heart and the ecstatic manifestations of spiritual realities and the overwhelming love for Allah that comes to dominate the state of these people causes them to utter words or statements that may be questionable according to the Sharia. Furthermore, they commit certain actions in these ecstatic states for which the literalists have not been able to find an excuse. Uh, this is a, a very important sentence. Furthermore, they commit certain actions in these ecstatic states for which the literalists have not been able to find an excuse. And generally speaking, literalism has not been something that is taken too well by the fuqaha or by the uh, the, the ulama uh, of the top tier of imama in the uh, Muslim tradition. Taking things literally is a very unhuman thing to do. Human beings don't speak literally. If someone says, give me a hand, and you take a meat cleaver, chop your hand off and hand it to them, they will uh, look at you uh, uh, like the grotesque freak that you are. Why? Because that's not how human beings talk. And oftentimes people will use expressions to describe states, especially those states for which there are not words uh, to describe them. And if you take them literally, you're uh, literally being an inhuman uh, person in doing so. And um, oftentimes when people seek clarifications, uh, from people who say things, they'll understand what they actually meant uh, because misunderstandings are very, very uh, frequent. And this is, you know, something that even if a person takes everything in the Quran literally, it could lead to kufr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You and the, those who you worship other than Allah are the gravel of the hellfire, antum uh, laha uh, waridun, uh, that you will arrive at. And uh, everybody knows that people worship Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam and whoever considers that Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam will be the gravel of the hellfire has committed kufr and is not a Muslim. Uh, and so even the Quran is not meant to be taken literally all the time. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's subject to wild uh, and spurious interpretation. Rather, there's an entire qanun of how 
things should be interpreted. And this is one of the reasons the science of balagha or rhetoric uh, in, uh, in the Muslim tradition um, wh- you know, one should wonder why is Mukhtasul Mu'ani, uh, uh, you know, compiled by Mutakallim. It's because Aqidah has to do, you know, Aqidah has defined how, um, even how uh, simile and metaphor work in the Quran so that one person cannot say that, well, you know, when Allah Ta'ala says to amputate, amputate the hand of the male and female uh, thief, that this is not like an allegory for the beauty of spring. Um, you know, the, there needs to be some qanun and some sort of. Um, you know, rules and regulations for how you decide what is meant to be taken literally and how you decide what isn't. And then when you take things as metaphors and similes, how are those to be interpreted correctly? Because there is a a method to all of it. And uh, uh, the problem is that simple-minded people who oftentimes take things, uh, everything literally and are, are, you know, just because of the way Allah Ta'ala made their brain wired, they're unable to understand the richness of human speech and uh, they're not really given to be very poetic in the way they, uh, or eloquent in the way that they communicate. But those people confuse themselves and they end up oftentimes confusing others as well. And uh, for such people, it's fine if someone says something that you don't like, then you don't have to follow anyone except for um, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam from from mankind uh, and uh, those then who are his author, authorized representatives in particular things. However, uh, you know you can abandon this person or that person because their metaphor doesn't make sense to you. But uh, you know you don't have the right to then uh, just go off on everybody and say this person doesn't know this because they made this mistake. This person doesn't know that because they made that mistake. And the worst thing is oftentimes we have in um, you know amidst us people who do such things they don't even know the Arabic language. Um, much less uh, uh, any of its uh, rhetoric or uh, even grammar, morphology, etc. And it just makes a complete mess. Uh, so, so Hazrat Tanri says, Furthermore, they commit certain actions in these ecstatic states for which the literalists have not been able to find an excuse. Meaning if you read things literally, you're not going to be able to understand what exactly they meant by that. Um, and you're not going to be able to understand what is trying to be said. And you're going to think it's something else and you're going to speak ill of such a person. This is one of the reasons why uh, lay people probably shouldn't read people like uh, Sheikh Al-Akbar ibn Arabi, etc. is because, you know, even the Sheikh himself understood that people are going to misunderstand, misunderstand, misinterpret what he what he said. Uh, even someone whose speech is a little bit more folksy, like Mulan Jalaluddin Rumi, uh, you know, they have to give disclaimers all the time that, you know, that whatever we say is to be understood in the light of the Kitab of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and and still people still people will f- stretch themselves and contort themselves in ways uh, in order to find something to be offended by. Whereas really, if you understood uh, uh, rhetoric, if you understood balagha, you would know that that it's not really something uh, objectionable at all. Wallahu alam. The most obvious and exacting method of correcting these false notions would be to provide a detailed explanation of each and every apparently questionable utterance and action. However, this detailed explanation would require many pages and volumes for which we do not have time for. Neither would the public be able to benefit from such a lengthy discourse. Taking this difficulty into consideration, a sufficient and simpler method is to bring to light those words and actions that clearly indicate towards these illustrious souls strict adherence to the sharia, ultimately proving that they gave importance to it. Uh, it is an, uh, an established principle according to the ulama that the words and deeds of a Muslim should be 
viewed with the assumption that they're inherently good and that uh, uh, one should not have suspicion regarding them on the condition that there is nothing that would suggest otherwise. Allah Ta'ala says, So if the Sufis say something uh, uh, clearly and explicitly, uh, not in an allegorical or metaphorical sense that indicates that they value the Sharia and the Sunnah, that should be accepted. And those things that are ecstatic utterances, which are using words to describe those things that there are no words to describe, one can safely assume that uh, 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 that they have not flipped their madhab on a dime, and that this means something that uh, is not really readily apparent. And uh, uh, you know, the thing that they said explicitly should be taken over. Uh, the thing that may uh, very very likely be an allegory and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book that uh, uh, leave much of suspicion for very rarely a great amount of suspicion is sin the jurists have explained that when ex- the external character of a person is based on piety and righteousness they are considered just and upright according to the sacred sharia and that in such cases we can assert with conviction that there is nothing to suggest that these people would act contrary to the dictates of piety and righteousness. Furthermore, if there are any actions or deeds attributed to these people that may suggest otherwise, then based on the principle established above, it is imperative that they should be offered the benefit of the doubt and afforded rational excuse. If this general principle is understood, there is no need to offer excuses for their actions. Nevertheless, we will assume some of those actions to be hypothetically true and mention some rational excuses to serve as examples for all those instances that may create doubt in the mind. And there's a sub-chapter, subheading, The Importance of Seeking Knowledge Amongst the Chishtis. The Sheikh Fariduddin Shakar Ganj, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, studied for some time in the maktab after completing the memorization of the Qur'an. Then he left to Multan to study in the masjid, with, in the masjid of Mawlana Minhaj al-Din. There he commenced the study of the elementary books of grammar. It was during this time that Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar Kaki al-Aushi was passing by and visited the masjid. So this uh, Sheikh Fariduddin Ganshakar and Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar Kaki uh, um, are uh, respectively the Grand Khalifa and the, the Khalifa of Khaja uh, uh, Mu'inuddin Chishti, uh, 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 who's buried in Ajmer Sharif. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalt all of their states and their uh, maqams. Um, and uh, Sheikh Fariduddin is buried in a, a place in Punjab called Pakpatan. Uh, Sharif uh, 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 nowadays the I think the old the old name of it is Ajodan uh, and uh, both Khaja Qutbuddin and Khaja Fariduddin you can hear their uh, the biographies of them in uh, a previous Ramadan late night majlis if you go to the SoundCloud and see the old playlists I believe in the first year I, I did a, uh, um, a recording about each of them separately so there he commenced, he went to Multan, there he commenced his study of the elementary books of grammar. It was during this time that Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar was passing by and visited that masjid. Khaja Qutbuddin saw the young Fariduddin studying and asked him, What are you studying, my son? To which he replied, Nafi'ah, which was the name of the book of fiqh he was studying, which means beneficial. To this Khaja said, It will prove beneficial for you, inshallah. 
These kind words and special affection of the Shaykh had such an effect upon the tender heart of Fariduddin that he immediately became his disciple. When Khaja was departing from Multan for Delhi, Fariduddin decided to leave with him. When Khaja noticed that the young boy had accompanied his travel group, he did not approve and advised him to continue his studies, make effort and return, him, uh, return to him after graduating from his formal madrasa studies, saying, The ignorant ascetic, the ignorant darvesh becomes the mockery of shaitan. After that, uh, Sheikh Fariduddin went from Multan to Kandahar and from there to Baghdad in the, produce, uh, in the pursuit of uh, the sacred sciences. Uh, and the reference given uh, is a book called Panj Ganj. Hakim al-Ummah, Hazrat Tanwi comments, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, note how much emphasis is laid on the, uh, 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 on the sciences of deen, on, on, the, on, the, on knowledge. Um, and this is a beautiful story, and this is, to this day, uh, the ulama and the mashayikh of the haq this is their practice that if you cut out from madrasa and go to the khanqah and uh, the sheikh knows that you're my own sheikh he would he knew that i was studying madrasa if i came to the khanqah the first thing he would ask how is your studies going and uh, 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 if anyone would come uh, during a day that there were studies uh, he would ask how come you're not in madrasa how come you're not in class and if it was found that you're cutting class without without reason uh, you would be uh, unceremoniously kicked out and sent sent back to madrasa um, the idea being that that you're harming your suluk by cutting out on your studies uh, and uh, uh, you know somebody who's running a cult or running a, a, a scam is not going to want you to learn something from outside rather this is one of the hallmarks of cult is that they cocoon you into their own system and uh, make you cut off from everything outside of them and make you completely dependent on them so you see mashallah khaja qutbuddin bakhtiyar allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises his maqam he was a man of such hal that uh, literally uh, the munshid the qawwal read a verse uh, uh, about the shawq and the love of Allah Ta'ala and the longing for Allah Ta'ala and they say which is an expression that it, it impacted him so much that his liver burst into pieces meaning it was so it impacted him so much that he literally died he gave up the ghost from the shawq of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, and only the people only the people of love and only the people of taste uh, dhok, uh, know what it's like to be impacted by that feeling but still he was saying to, to uh, Khaja Fariduddin, who was uh, his, his, you know, um, Khalifa, which Allah Ta'ala put the baraka in, that the silsila spread through him, that uh, he said to him, instead of following me uh, around, go finish your madrasa studies first. Why? Because the ignorant darvish is the mockery of shaitan. Shaitan will make a fool out of you if you if you're, make a lot of dhikr and are at the same time ignorant of deen. Strict adherence to the Sharia. Khaja Uthman Harwani, who was the Sheikh of Khaja Mu'inuddin uh, Chishti in Chisht Sharif, which is a place uh, not too far from uh, Herat uh, in, uh, in modern Afghanistan. Uh, Khaja Uthman Harwani said, The one who earns a lawful living for the sake of his family is the beloved of Allah Most High. But that is on the condition that he is not lazy and heedless of his prayers and that when it is time for prayer, he should immediately be present. He should not come out of the boundaries of the sacred sharia the slightest bit. Hakim al-Ummah Hazrat Tanwi rahimahullah ta'ala says, Notice uh, how much emphasis is laid upon remaining within the boundaries of the sharia. The kasibu habibullah, the one who earns for his family, is the beloved of Allah Most High. 
but that's on the condition that he's not lazy and heedless of his prayers and that when it's time for the prayer he should immediately be present he should not come out of the boundaries of the sacred sharia the slightest bit and uh, i add a note uh, on top of hazrat tanri's uh, uh, note uh, with regards to the emphasis of being uh, upon the boundaries of sharia that i have seen maulid gatherings and zikr gatherings of the mubtadi'ah uh, who claim the names of the same mashaykh and i've seen them sometimes right next to the masjid blasting their mic to the point where they uh, distract the, uh, the 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 jamaat inside the masjid uh, while people are praying uh, and they do not join uh, the, the the congregation uh, this is completely unacceptable and is the same mockery of shaitan that was referred to by Khaja Qutbuddin Bakhtiyar when he was giving his advice to Khaja Fariduddin. Uh, Allah Ta'ala save us all. Hazrat Khaja Mu'inuddin Chishti Rahimahullah Ta'ala said the first prerequisite of suluk of the journey to Allah Ta'ala is that one be well grounded and adherent to the Sharia. Whatever commandments and injunctions of the Sharia prescribe, uh, prescribes uh, should be implemented to the fullest extent, and one should not transgress them in the least. Once this has been achieved, only then will one progress to the next level. Hakim al-Ummat comments, This uh, malfuz from this uh, malfuz or utterance of the Shaykh, we learn that all progress and success on the path to Allah Ta'ala, on the path of suluk, is fully dependent upon strict adherence to the sacred Sharia. Khaja Nizamuddin Awliya, the uh, patron saint of Delhi, uh, 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 a man who uh, was uh, lived uh, in such purity and such generosity and who Allah Ta'ala colored in the uh, beautiful color of this tariq uh, to the point where he's to this day revered by Muslims and Hindus alike. Uh, uh, Khaja Nizamuddin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised his rank, relates that his sheikh, Khaja Fariduddin, the one who was the, you know, in maktab and not allowed to go with his sheikh, Khaja Qutbuddin, he said his sheikh Khaja Fariduddin Shakar Ganj. Shakar Ganj means what? It means the treasure of sugar, the sweet treasure. And these people, even their, their alqab are uh, really interesting. And I said Khaja Fariduddin Shakar Ganj said, the true mashaykh of suluk, of the journey to Allah Ta'ala, have said, any disciple or shaykh who does not stay within the boundaries of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and he literally says Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah because this is our way that although we don't make takfir of people of uh, heretical innovation, as long as their innovation doesn't take them uh, outside of a circle, a certain circle, but still we say very plainly that uh, uh, you know, Hanafi, Shafi'i, Maliki, this is all difference of opinion. But the only ones who are on the path of guidance are the Ahl Sunnah. And Tasawwuf, Sufism is itself peculiar to the Ahl Sunnah. There's no tariqah and there's no Tasawwuf of uh, the people outside of it. Um, this tradition is completely uh, from the Ahl Sunnah and it's only propagated properly through the Ahlul Sunnah. Why? Because their understanding of deen is the correct one. And other people, their mistake or their uh, incorrect notions about deen uh, are, uh, to be, uh, uh, are to be considered incorrect to the degree that they depart from the understanding of the Ahlul Sunnah. So Khaja Nizamuddin says that his Shaykh Khaja Fariduddin Shakar Ganj rahimahullah ta'ala said that the true mashaykh of suluk of the journey to Allah ta'ala have said any disciple or Shaykh who does not stay within the boundaries of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah 
or his practices uh, uh, or spiritual states do not remain within the confines of the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of his Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then all his practices and spiritual states are in reality highway robbers, depriving him of ever reaching his destination uh, uh, of attaining the ultimate pleasure of Allah. Uh, Hakim al-Ummah rahimahullah ta'ala Hazrat Tanwi comments, in this malfuz, in this utterance, we see the clear manner in which the Shaykh is emphasizing the adherence to the Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah and how he has refuted all evil innovation, uh, all bid'ah uh, in the deen. And this is also, you know, one reason why even myself I, I saw it uh, befitting to have a course about the Aqeel at the Hawiyah and uh, to travel to different places in order to teach it. And to post it online, you can hear it on the SoundCloud for free, or you can hear it on YouTube. Uh, the recording is a little bit clear on YouTube for free. It's something like 13 or 15 hours uh, um, to listen to. It's a prerequisite of suluk. Don't sit in the majalis of the Sufis. Don't sit in the majalis of the Ahlullah uh, and talk about spiritual things until you know what it is that what confines that those things should be within and what the frame of reference to understand them are. Because your aqidah is like a lens through which you see the world. If the lens is pink, everything will look pink. If the lens is convex or concave, it will bend the light in weird ways and skew the way you're supposed to see the world. It will make things look upside down. Uh, it may make things look, uh, uh, you know, deceptively unlike what they really are. Uh, and so, you know, this is something that those who haven't been able to do so, that they should make the... Uh, um, intention that either go to a sheikh and, and read uh, the tahawiyah or a book like it uh, or you could you can go online and you can hear it uh, uh, through the soundcloud through youtube uh, etc just type in hamza maqbul aqidah tahawiyah uh, don't ask any money for it just if you find something useful and something helpful to you in your deen and your iman that you make dua for me and then hopefully you'll be more well prepared and in a better position to benefit from the fuyul of the mashaykh wherever you find them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us uh, on the path of haq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us with the people of haq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill our ears with haq and fill our eyes with haq and fill our hearts with haq and that when our tongues speak that they speak the haq and uh, when we do our actions that they be the actions of the people of the haq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala haq ta'ala sha'nu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be uh, what we desire and what our destination is and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be our protection and be our happiness in this world and the hereafter our companion that never leaves us for a moment and we never leave him neither with the mention of our tongue nor with uh, the state of our heart wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu